I've been a pastor for 25 years and a student of the Bible for over 30. If you're new to this channel, please like and subscribe and turn on the notifications. That'll help us get the over 270 Bible teachings that I've done out that I've done now to people for free. Thank you for joining us today. Now this week we're going to look at Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. This is the prologue to the book which means the opening statement that the author uses to set up uh, the bulk of what he wants to talk about. So let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Wow. So let's break this down. We have really three available options for how to interpret the book of Revelation. Uh, Option one is, is it a picture of Jesus? Uh, Option number two is, it is a prophecy fulfilled. Or option three, uh, it's a playbook for the apocalypse. Now, I hope to show you that it's option two, a prophecy that has been fulfilled. Now, Revelation chapter 1, it opens up, it serves as the gateway for this entire book, setting the tone and giving us some insight into how we're supposed to look at this. Now, these verses offer a unique understanding of the book of Revelation. It suggests that many of the prophecies that were contained in the book of Revelation were actually fulfilled in the events surrounding the first century, particularly the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in AD 70. Now to fully grasp this, let's explore each of these verses and what they mean. Now the phrase, the things that must soon take place are of particular importance because it suggests an imminent fulfillment of the prophecies contained in the book for the people in the first century. Now, I would argue that the language used here indicates that the events described in Revelation were expected to transpire in the near future of the original audience rather than in a distant, far-off future like, say, 21st century North American English speakers. Now, when this book was written, North America had not yet been discovered and people in the original audience didn't speak English. Uh, The phrase, the revelation of Jesus Christ, signifies the unveiling of divine truth through symbolic imagery and allegory. Now, this understanding sets up and helps us to... uh, it's an unveiling, not a linear prediction of future events, but, it, but intended to provide comfort, guidance, and hope to the early followers of Jesus during the times of persecution and turmoil, just like they can be helpful to us today. Now, the symbolic language used in the book of Revelation is understood as a way to communicate complex spiritual truths and historical realities in a vivid and impactful 
manner. Now, the identification of John as, quote, his servant underscores his role as the recipient of this revelation. Now, I agree that the author of the book of Revelation is the Apostle John. He was exiled to the island of Patmos. You can Google that. It's an island off of Greece. Now, the intention behind sending the message through an angel is seen as a way to emphasize the divine origin of the revelation and to convey its urgency. Now, in the same way that this opening was a comfort to the readers who originally read it, it's meant to be a comfort to us today. Now, look at verse 2. It says, "...who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ." It highlights John's role as a faithful witness of Christ's message. This reference to the testimony of Jesus Christ shows us the focus of Revelation is centered on the teachings and the significance of Jesus. Now, I want to point out that the content of Revelation was meant to reinforce the teachings of Jesus and to provide an understanding of the challenges faced by the early followers of Jesus just in the same way that we face many challenges today. Now, there's a phrase here. It says, even to all that he saw. Now, this shows the visual nature of John's experience. He had an apocalyptic experience. Now, this suggests that John's visions were not necessarily literal depictions of future events, but symbolic representations of reality. These visions were contended to convey truths and offer insight into the unfolding events of the time in the first century. It says, also, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Wow. These, voices, these verses emphasize the immediate relevance of this message to the original recipients. Now, the encouragement to read aloud, to hear, and to keep the words of prophecy underscores the practical application of of its insights. We're supposed to read and apply the scripture to our, to our lives now. Now, the blessings promised are thought to be bestowed upon those who engage with it and adhere to the message, not just the ones that hear, but the ones who practice. And through that, you'll find nourishment and strength in the difficulties that you encounter. Now, this phrase, the time is near. Now, this is a cornerstone of how we're going to be looking at Revelation. The time is near. This phrase signifies the close proximity of the events described in Revelation for the first century reader, rather than interpreting Revelation as a predicting distant end time scenarios. Now, I would contend that the book's focus is on the events leading up to and including the destruction of the temple in the year AD 70. Now, this whole book of Revelation serves as a powerful critique of, of the oppressive powers of the time, particularly the Roman Empire and the religious establishment that were centered around the Jerusalem temple. The symbols, uh, we're going to talk about the seven churches and the seals and the beasts. Now, they're understood as representing political and religious entities that were directly impacting the early Christian community. Now, the fall of Babylon is often interpreted as a reference to the fall of Jerusalem, which I view as a divine judgment against those who rejected the message of Jesus. Now, this first couple of verses, it sets this up to emphasize the immediate relevance of the book 
when it was written. The language used in these verses suggests the imminent fulfillment of this prophecy within the book's context. Now, the symbolism and the allegory uh, are seen as tools to convey these truths uh, in a historical context. It's very important to understand that as it relates to what was happening in the first century, not what's happening in the 21st century. Now, through this, you can find comfort and guidance and encouragement in the same way that the believers in the first century did, who faced enormous difficulty. Now, the text that govern the, the, the timing of the time is near that's talked about here is in Matthew 23 and 24, and I'm going to talk about that more, and it makes it clear that Jesus was speaking of the events leading up to the fall of the temple. If we fail to recognize the timing of these events as it relates to Matthew 23 and 24, and the historical context of Jesus' words will also be led astray. Uh, by those insisting that it's our generation that's living in the end times. How many of you have heard that before? Now, you might be thinking, now, Ryan, are we living in the end times? Well, it depends on what you mean by end times. Will our generation be the last to live on earth? I doubt it. Does that lessen my motivation to live a godly, fulfilling, complete life for Christ? Of course not. Every breath that we get is a precious gift from God and should be appreciated and maximized for His glory. Are we living in the end of our time? Well, perhaps most of us only get 80 years under optimum conditions. We should thank God and ask God every day the following question. God, how am I to live today? Have you ever asked God, God, how am I supposed to live today? I recommend that you do it each and every day for His glory in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you join me next time.